It's time with Pastor Mike Kessler starts now. This is It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN International, featuring Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River. Today, Pastor Mike is going to be teaching in the book of 1 Samuel. Located way back in the Old Testament, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel are the legacy that reveals the change from God-appointed judges over the people to the kingdom era, where the Jews are ruled over by a king both a departure from God's ways and a foreshadow of God's ways. With our study on the book of 1 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. The book of Samuel. We're going to continue our study in this book, looking at uh, the life of Samuel, how God used him in a very critical time in the history of Israel. And, and again, as we look at this, we, we understand that what seems to be impossible for man is possible with God. We remember that Eli was old, his sons were corrupt, and unable to really pass on that relationship with God that Eli had to his sons. We'll find that actually Samuel had the same problem concerning his own kids as well. So it's noteworthy that um, Our relationship with God is not inherited. It's something that each one pursues on their own desire to know God. And so as we go to the Lord uh, in his word, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity we have to study your word. May your Holy Spirit speak to us and guide us and encourage us, Father, in Jesus' name. And may we look, Lord, for these hidden truths in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we remember that, uh, as we studied last, that because the nation of Israel, relationship with God had deteriorated, they really uh, became prey to their enemies. The Philistines came up against them, and because the Philistines came up against them, um, they were worried. And so they used the Ark of the Covenant as an, uh, uh, an article of warfare, where really it was never meant to be that. And we remember that uh, as they brought it into the uh, the army of, of Israel, as they were encamped against the Philistines, uh, Israel lost. The Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines. Uh, it was brought into the temple of uh, their god, Dagon. We remember that it caused all kinds of havoc, not only uh, to their gods, but also to the cities in which this Ark happened to go to as they were trying to find a place for it to be. Everywhere it went, boils and, and uh, hemorrhoids broke out on the people and all kinds of other issues. And so finally they end up sending the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel And uh, we pick up the story there, uh, interestingly enough. It says, Then the men of Kerdith-Jarman came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And so it was that the ark remained in Kerdith-Jarman a long time. It was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. It's interesting that they realized that what they did was wrong, and uh, so Samuel now recognizing there is a, uh, a remorseness in the nation of Israel, uh, he speaks now to the nation of Israel concerning their relationship with God. Then Samuel spoke to the house of Israel saying, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. 
and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Now, it's interesting that these old enemies will continue to uh, crop up when uh, there isn't uh, that uh, relationship with God. Now, notice here again, he says, if you'll put away the foreign gods and the asterisk. Uh, of course, we know that there was the Baals and the other gods. The asterisk, of course, were uh, the, the, the goddess of sexual pleasure and uh, fertility. And, and so uh, they would worship these different gods in some way in, in their incantations and the things that they would do. He says, if you put those away from you, Prepare your hearts for the Lord, serve him only. He will deliver you from the hand of your enemies, literally. So there is a promise of God that goes along with uh, walking with him. And and God always has a way of doing that. Now, it says in verse 4, So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the asterisks and served the Lord only. Um, Now, uh, here we find again that they had adopted the gods of the nations around them in which God told them originally, when you come into the promised land, uh, chase out the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Hivites and all the other ites that were out there. He said, you chase them out of there. Uh, and what's interesting, rather than uh, them chasing them out, they became like them. And so God then um, uh, instructs them to repent and turn away from what they had been doing. And so uh, it says, Samuel said, gather all of Israel uh, to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord God for you. Now, it's interesting here, in verse 5, we find uh, Samuel being an intercessor. Now, we recognize that a priest is an intercessor. And as Jesus Christ came on the scene, we realize that we have only one intercessor between the Father uh, and us, and that's Christ Jesus. And so there's no man now that we need to go to. But at that time... Samuel was the priest, and it's interesting that God has said he's made us a kingdom of priests, and so we realize that one of the things that we do as Christians is we intercede for people in their relationship with God. It's not that they come to us, but that that we pray for people who need to come to Christ, and at the same time we represent Christ to a world that doesn't know him. And so it's interesting here that Samuel steps into that place, and he says, I will pray for to the Lord for you. Now, again, we understand how oftentimes uh, without an intercessor or somebody to bring the message of repentance and salvation to somebody, they will not hear the gospel. And so I believe that's what where that leaves all of us. That's why we uh, work overtime to um, uh, preach the gospel to people. Uh, I'm sure, again, the underworld's very happy and does everything it can do to come against what we do here. But again, friends, we have a big lost world and, and you're part of the army of God that goes out and, and spreads the good news about his kingdom. And so it says that they gathered together at Mizpah. And Mizpah was a place, it's interesting here, all of Israel. It was the primarily the, the uh, people in leadership and those gathered together at Mizpah. Now, evidently, there was probably spies within the land of, of the Philistines that monitored what Israel was doing. And any time uh, that they would ever see a uniting of the nation of Israel together, it caused them uh, a discomfort. Uh, we remember back in uh, when there was the Civil War, uh, actually, if you went farther forward, uh, the son of Solomon, Rehoboam, because of taxes, raised the taxes on the people. There was uh, a, a split in the nation of Israel, 10 tribes to the north, two tribes to the south. 
And the, in order, Jeroboam was worried that the nation of Israel would want to come down to Jerusalem to worship Jehovah. So what uh, he did is he established two places of worship, and that was in Dan and Bethel. And those were the two places that they were to go to worship their false gods. He was afraid that if the nations, of the, the tribes of Israel were to come down to, to Judah and worship at Jerusalem, there would be a reuniting of kindred of spirit and they would all be one again. And of course, uh, Jeroboam didn't want that. He, he, he enjoyed what he, his little rebellion that he did. And so that was a part of the problem. Well, it's interesting here. They gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. Now this is a, what you might call a drink offering here that was offered before the Lord that they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. So he went through and he determined to them, declared to them, what was acceptable and not acceptable to God uh, before them. Um, again, this is what is meant by judging Israel. So, now the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah. The lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord, uh, our God, for us. Uh, I think it's interesting here. Uh, different places in the scripture you'll find where it says, go pray to the Lord your God. <laughs> you know, they were distant. But here it says, pray to the Lord our God. Uh, they recognize. And this, it's interesting that the relationship with God was reflected in the words that they said. And, and that's true, friends. I mean, you'll, you'll notice that in your own life. If you're uh, distant from the Lord, it's always, uh, you always refer to God in a, you know, a, a distant relationship or some kind of a, uh, you might say a, a irreverent type of, well, you know, I was talking to my big buddy upstairs, you know. Well, that's not my big buddy upstairs. It's my God. And I don't refer to Lord as some obscure thing or a, a cheap flamboyant relationship with God. Uh, and, and so again, people judge their, our relationship with the Lord the same way that they would see how uh, we speak of God. Uh, in other words, if you, as an example, talk very poorly about uh, your wife or your husband or your children, um, that is, speaks a lot of concerning how what, and what those relationships are. Or you speak poorly about your boss at work. Oh, yeah, he's an old hard nose. And, you know, well, eventually that's going to get back to the person that can cause a lot of problems. And so, again, uh, when, when we re- recognize our relationship with God and we say the Lord our God, it shows that they were embracing a relationship with him. And so it says, they cried out, he said, Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. I think this is also kind of interesting because sometimes, you know, when we draw close to God, and I found this in my own life, the more you try to reach out to the Lord, the more the enemy attacks. Now, uh, they weren't being attacked by the Philistines until... Uh, if you want to look at this uh, for quite a while, until they gathered at uh, Mizpah and declared uh, their need for God again. And soon as they declare for the need for God, the Philistines rise up against him. Doesn't that sound a little bit like your own life, or like our life together? I think that pretty much goes without saying. You find this all the way through the scriptures where when you decide you're going to do something for the kingdom of heaven, you're attacked and attacked and attacked. And we oftentimes don't understand that. But Jesus said in this life, you will suffer tribulation. It's kind of interesting. I was listening to our station 
And there was a fellow on that was talking about uh, his ministers that were overseas. Uh, and he was remarking how they don't ever have any problems and things like this. And the man said, well, then they must not be doing something right. Because if you're really going to be serving God, you're going to be the focus and the criticism of other people. Because Jesus said that. Paul the Apostle says it in 2 Corinthians 11. Uh, and, and so we realize that this is something that's going to happen uh, no matter what. Well, here these people decide to start serving God. And now the enemy attacks. <laughs> well, friends, that's just the way it works. I wish there was a way around it, but you know, the Bible doesn't say that there is. In fact, Jesus said again, in this life, you will have tribulation. And so he says, and by the way, he said this too. He said, no, it is not that they hate you, but it's they hate me in you. And I I believe there's a lot to be said for the power of God in an individual's life, the fruit that God has in an individual's life, which causes conviction in their own life. And that's why they, in fact, do hate you. So it says... Samuel took a suckling lamb, offered it as a burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord, God of Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now it's interesting here that when the enemy attacks, uh, Samuel applies the lamb. Um, when the enemy attacks in your life, we apply Christ Jesus, the sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world. Uh, friends, we never meet the enemy in our own righteousness. Friends, if you try to do that, I guarantee you're going to lose every time. Because you're not good enough. None of us are good enough. If you really study the scriptures, the closer you get to God, the more you realize you need a Savior. The purpose of, I believe, the Word of God is not to show you how righteous you are, but to show you how much you need God daily. Minutely. Is that a word? Should be if it ain't. But we need God on a continual basis because our righteousness comes from him. The minute somebody starts fronting and pointing out everybody else's sin, friends, all I can tell you is this. They are blind in uh, to their own shortcomings. Uh, again, you'll always find sin sniffers everywhere. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the Bible says that we're not judges. The Bible says we're to love and to reach out to people and to overlook, and, and, and if possible, you know, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Well, I'm not covering for anybody. Well, then you're not doing what God says. Because the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. You know what that's simply saying is this. Hey, listen, I'm not here to exploit what you've done wrong in your life. I'm here to come alongside you and say, how can I help as a friend? How can I help as a brother? That's what love is. You know, it's interesting. The emphasis in the Bible Though important as it is, the Word of God. But again, we've talked about this before. Corinthians chapter 13 says, If I talk with tongue to men of angels and don't have love, it profits me nothing. And he goes on and says in the next verse, he says, And if I have all knowledge. Now again, that's not talking about how far it is to the moon or or uh, you know how a transistor is made. What it's talking about there is biblical knowledge. But if you do not have love in your heart, and I've seen people like this. Oh, they know the word meticulously. They know it in Hebrew. They know it in Greek. But they don't know how to love. Because their love is selfish. And that love that's selfishly motivated never leads to the righteousness of Christ. See, the thing is, when I stop to think about how much God has forgiven me for, I want to reach out to those people and say, as a matter of fact, I found forgiveness in God, and so can you. Now, people are always looking for... Maybe they haven't been forgiven by God at all. I don't know. But you know, it's noteworthy here that when the enemy attacked, the lamb was applied. And the lamb is what made the difference. Notice this. And so it says that he took this suckling lamb, offered it as a 
whole burnt offering to the Lord, Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Friends, God answers prayer. And that's something we always want to remember. God answers prayer. Uh, and you know, sometimes to the dismay of your enemies, <laughs> and I found that oftentimes, that God will answer prayer in spite of those around you. And so it says, now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. And um, now this is while he's doing this. Notice it says the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. So they're rallying, uh, the Philistines rallying their troops was relatively fast concerning the attack against Israel. And so it says, so while he was offering up the burnt offering to the Lord, um, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah, pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far and below Beth Car. And Samuel took a stone set it up between Mizpah and Shin, and called the name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Now, this is interesting because he set up a stone to remind the people that God was with them. Now, I, I think it's interesting that there are those reminders that we have in our life to remind us that God has been faithful in the past. Now, this is why I believe thankfulness is such an important part of our Christian experience. And this is why. As you're thankful, you remember the things that God has done for you. If you're unthankful, all is bad, all is terrible, blah, 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 blah. And you get that kind of baptized and prune juice kind of thing going down. But you know, when you're thankful, you think back of the times that God has in fact, and indeed been faithful to you. You're still standing. God's been good. He's, he's not forgotten you. And so because God is faithful and because God stands and because all those things are part of his heart and part of his life, God remains faithful to us. And as I look at this, I, I see that, that um, you know, God confused the enemy before them. As a matter of fact, it happened while the sacrifice was being made. Do you think that's coincidental or do you think that God did that on purpose? You see, there's power in Jesus, there's power in the lamb, friends. And, and again, applying that sacrificial lamb to whatever it issue there is in your life. Remember this, God has a way of delivering you. And so it says that the men of Israel went out, pursued the Philistines and drove them back. And this stone that was set up was again a reminder how God, in fact and indeed, had been faithful. So the Philistines were subdued. And they did not come any more into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. It's interesting that God honored uh, Samuel's request. And God honored Samuel. And God listened to him as the people repented. Then the cities of the Philistines that had been taken away from Israel, uh, which the Philistines had taken, were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath, and Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And so Samuel judged all of Israel in the days of his life. And he went up from year to year on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah and judged Israel in all of those places. But he always returned back to Ramah, for that was his home. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord. It's interesting here. He was probably what you might call the first circuit preacher. 
going around, sharing what God expected from them, judging Israel, saying, no, this is right, no, this is wrong. This is what basically he was doing and basing it upon uh, the word of God. And so this is what he would do is he would go around and this is uh, his life. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. And the name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice. Now this is probably, again, friends, one of the most sorry things that you see in life. And I, I don't know that there's any other way that, that those that are close and dear to you go sideways. It just happens. Uh, I'd like to say it doesn't happen to Christians. I'd like to say that it doesn't happen to people in the Old Testament who love God. But, uh, of course, as we've been studying the last few weeks, we see that it happens quite often. Now, somebody would say, well, what about that promise in the Bible that says, train up a child in way they should go, and when they get old, they won't depart from it. I believe this is a principle of God. I believe that this is the outline and the thing that God has. But, you know, again, God will not make anybody go to heaven that doesn't want to go. God will not make anybody live righteously that don't want to live righteously. And again, that's a decision that every person makes. And again, as we look at this, you cannot make your children Christians as much as you want to. What you can do, though, is this. You can give them the best example in the world. You can have the biggest ear for them to share their problems with you. Because let me tell you, friends, your little kids have a lot of issues that they're confronted with in school every day, from the bully on the, on the playground to what their teachers are teaching them about evolution to all these different things. And so again, we remember the Bible says to communicate, forget not. I believe that's such an important part of our Christianity is to remember that part of love, one of the key ingredients in love is communication. Now we call it fellowship, but for a small child, they don't understand those big Christianese words. They understand just mommy talked to me today. I think that's good. And you know, a lot of times you'll find that parents don't usually talk to the children unless there is an issue. Johnny, you didn't dump the garbage. Well, you know, again, just to encourage you to do this. Always tell your kids when they do good, that they're doing good. Uh, friends, again, we forget that. And, and by the way, I, I would extend that to husbands and wives as well. You know, if you, the only time you ever say anything to your husband or to your wife is when there's something wrong. Uh, all they're going to do is look at you as an egg. It, it, it's like the only time you say anything to me is when there's, some, there's an issue. Listen, again, we all like to be complimented. Boy, I'll tell you something. It's a lot better you ladies compliment your husband than some other lady. It's a lot better uh, men that you compliment your wives than some other guy. Let me tell you something. It's a market economy and people will go where their needs are met. And you know how good it feels when somebody says, gee, you did a nice job. Gee, you're pretty. Um, <clears throat> that was a great dinner. Thank you for not coming home drunk like so many of my girlfriend's husbands do. Thank you for, for being kind. Thank you for loving our kids. Thank you. Because again, see, w- what that does is that says, hey, as a matter of fact, I notice what's going on outside of my own world. And see, when, when we're selfish... It's all about us, ain't it? It doesn't matter what, what else is going on. It's just whatever happens to ha- affect me is the only thing that I become concerned with. This is a, a plague of our society today. We've talked about this before, but full-blown rapes and robberies will go on while bystanders are standing around watching it happen and will do nothing to intervene in the situation. I remember listening to a police chief in uh, Denver, I believe it was, several years ago. 
He said, well, somebody said, well, what do you do if, if you're in trouble and somebody's stealing your car or you're being assaulted on the street and nobody will help you? He said, bend over, pick up a rock and throw it through their window. If they won't get involved voluntarily, get them involved by force. <laughs> I thought that was interesting advice. But you know, a lot of people won't do anything until they're inconvenienced. But friends, that's not the way I believe a Christian should be. I believe we should be noticing or having an eye, you might say, tuned in to what the needs are around us for other people. That's what real love is. I mean, real love isn't saying it's all about me and too bad about you, you know. But real love is saying, hey, listen, as a matter of fact, I do notice what you do. And again, as we as we see this, see, again, we cannot transfer our Christianity onto our kids any more than Eli could to his sons, any more than Samuel did to his sons. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to invite you to grab the free podcast of its time by hopping on the iTunes store and downloading your own copy. If you like having the disc, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order for First Samuel. From Pastor Mike, myself, and all of us here at the River, thanks for tuning in to It's Time.